0: welcome to the inner huddle a youth football development podcast for parents coaches and managers of young aspiring footballers your hosts from pezza street soccer
1: are Pez and Jeff. Hello
0: and welcome to the Inner Huddle. This is part four of our Pezzer's coaching special and I'm joined as always by, I was going to say my right hand man, but he's my left hand man today, Jeffrey Bonner. How you doing, Jeff? Yeah, good, Pez. How are you? Really, really, really good, mate. Thanks for asking. These have got, gone a bit on longer than we thought, didn't we? We thought we'd do a quick Pezzer's special um, and the questions have come in thick and fast and we, obviously we're now down to, what is it, question 19 and they're still coming in, so I I don't know where this is going to end, but um, we'll keep trying to give as much value as we can with them. And I like these because they're coming in from um, people that actually attend our soccer schools and academy and and have got genuine questions that they want answers to. So interesting stuff. I must apologise for us repeating ourselves as well. It's been, I don't know, nearly a month since we started this podcast. Yeah.
1: This is part four.
0: Have we already apologised for repeating ourselves? I don't know. Perhaps (laughs) we're repeating an apology. (laughs) Who knows? But I think what's best, Jeff, is if we crack on with, well, I was going to say question number one, but it won't be, it'll be question number 19. Question number 19? Yeah.
1: Why does your academy
0: stop at under 11s? It's a very good question, and it came in quite recently. Um, it stops at under 11s. That the academy that we run goes from school years one to six, um, which actually matches up with our holiday camps as well, um, apart from our elite training camp, which is for older children. But anyway, our academy school years one to six, and then the idea is that they spend those years getting comfortable with the ball to be complete individual players yep. with all the methods from our syllabus and from the things that we've taken from things like Brazilian Soccer Schools, Coerva, all sorts of other places. It's, the syllabus has built up over the years, but the point being that they become sort of complete individual footballers. And then they get the option from there whether they want to join our futsal club which would be more team-structured from there, to go and try and put all that into practice in a team environment, which we think they're then ready for at that age, don't they?
1: Yeah, it's a system that seems to be working as well. It's If you can hand over a complete individual to the futsal club, which is school years 7 to 11, it will be next season, won't it? Yeah. Um, and they've gone on to big school and they're just mentally a bit more ready, aren't they, for the team structure and all that kind of stuff. And if you've got an individual that's through the system there's so much more you can do within a team structure with a good group of individuals that you can't do with a massive mixture of abilities
0: yeah and it's um it's like everything else that we do it's um see keeping it simple and doing it well it's quite a simple structure isn't it yeah and quite a very simple philosophy but within that getting them to that level it's, it takes a lot of hard work and it's not always easy but the actual theory behind it you spend all that time at the academy, getting really good. And then if you want to, you can join the futsal club where you can then be part of a team to express yourself and put it into practice. It's as simple as that. We think they're a bit too young for some of the. Well, it's not a bit young. We feel that, and we've said it before about team training, um, it's a completely different mindset to what we do. So we think that they're ready for it when they get to secondary school. That kind of team training that they've had, depending on when they join the academy, could be up to six years of individual training, and by then they're going to be pretty good. And if they haven't joined a pro club, I imagine they'll be playing for a, a grassroots team as well. And um, then this is just another option for them to express themselves, have fun, and, and
1: progress through the futsal club, and hopefully get a scholarship at the end of it as well. Yeah, and all of it is designed not to conflict with their grassroots club, but to complement it, isn't it?
0: Absolutely, which takes a bit of work sometimes. But um, everyone's on board, and it, like you said, the system seems to be working. So the what we call Academy does stop at under-11s, but from under-12s, everyone that's at Academy will get an invitation to join the futsal club, um, and hopefully they all stay. I think they have done in previous years. I don't particularly think anyone's left because it was futsal, so it works. Good. That was a bit easier than some of the other ones we've had to deal with in the other parts. Question number 20. What's the biggest changes you've seen since you started
1: coaching. Well, when did you start coaching, Jeff? Cool. That's a good question. Probably 2004, 2005. 2004, 2005. What about you, Pez? I
0: took over my first team, which was a men's team, in 1997. Wow. I know. And then I did my UEFA B Level 3 in, I think, 2000, 2001 maybe, something like that. That's a story for a different day. Yeah. So, yeah, a long time. So what were the biggest changes you've seen since all those moons ago
1: Geoffrey? Um, well I, I started with adults too and for adults it's almost they want to see immediate changes, they want a magic wand almost that you can wave over and suddenly everything's better and that you fixed everything for them but less of an understanding that perseverance and dedication and a bit of sacrifice along the way is, is needed if you want to get to the next level or wherever you want to get to really. It's the same
0: with anything in life I think and. I think we talked about it just yesterday or the day before, about the iceberg illusion, yeah. where you only see a certain percentage of the top, which is a success. And now with social media, you're seeing everyone else's tip of the iceberg. And you don't realise that what's below the surface that you can't see, like determination and working hard and work ethic and, you know, overcoming adversity and it's all e- of Even those. a
1: hashtag now is living our best life or living their best Something life. Something like that, yeah. Isn't it? Which means you're only really showing the very best bits of your life. Yeah, The highlight's media. real. Yeah, whereas um, you miss out all that sacrifice, dedication, hard work, repetitiveness that you might have to do to get to a level. And, it's,
0: and I agree, I think that's the biggest change I've seen, is everyone wants to skip the bottom of the iceberg, and it might be a greater thing in generational thing, I don't know, but they just want to get to that tip of the iceberg, mainly for social media posts. You've got a theory behind that, haven't you? Oh, goodness. Enlighten me. I love it when he puts me on the spot.
1: <laughs> so with a social media post that gets 100 likes and 40 comments and stuff, yeah. each time that it gets clicked on, you get a little endorphin boost. and Yes. Your theory a is that...
0: Dopamine hit, I think it is, or endorphins Yeah. Yet. I haven't got my science manual with you,
1: but <sighs> yes. And then you're always chasing that same dopamine hit. And once you've had it and you've put it out there, you can't really get that one back again. So it's aiming for the next one, isn't it? And yeah, And it's
0: addictive. Highly addictive. So this tip of the iceberg, which is social media, I think that's the the biggest change. And it works with adults with their children. So they put up how proud I was. of. I've been using this running theme of Tiny Tim throughout the whole of this show. Has Tiny Tim done that? It's Poor old Tiny Tim. He's done everything. (laughs) But um, yeah, it seems to be Tiny Tim. So proud of him. Scored three goals today. He's done this, done that, pitch him a trophy there. And that's your dopamine hit. And then... He goes quiet for a while and then you're thinking, oh, I need that dopamine hit, so what can I do? And if you're not getting it where you are, you might actually move your child somewhere else and you don't realise that you're addicted to that dopamine. It's dopamine, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you're looking for your fix and you'll see... You, Most people listening to this will be on Facebook, so you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. The proud parent, everything like this tip of the iceberg illusion. So I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned and we've actually, I've written here, children actually in the sessions has changed over the years especially over the last sort of 10 years they don't like or they can't handle the majority losing like they used to and they struggle with adversity and challenges now I'm not a psychologist so I'm not sure all the reasons behind that social media might have something to do with it schools I've no idea but just on the shop floor of what we see, there's a massive shift, which is difficult for us because our syllabus is designed to be challenging. So the children make loads and loads and loads of mistakes to learn from those mistakes. But children generally don't like to make mistakes anymore. Anything else? I mean, the losing thing. You see it a lot on holiday courses, actually, where you set up a fun game where, you know, there might be a winner and a loser. And if people aren't winning, they're not interested or they become upset. Well, and it's really difficult to get the balance right for everyone having fun and a competitive fit. I mean, I will put it out there that I don't think having non-competitive sports days and things like that schools have helped, you know, where everyone has to have a medal and everyone wins and I understand why it's done but I don't think it helps everybody. It's like we've said many times there's not a secret formula that's going to help everyone and you're putting a formula
1: together where everybody doesn't win. It comes back to not, not celebrating the hard work and the sacrifice and the effort. Yeah. that gets you there and celebrating... Just being there, isn't it? It's a massive difference.
0: That's the biggest shift
1: because if a child has won something, you've got a
0: perfect opportunity to then praise why he's won it. Okay, and you can get life lessons. If he's won it through hard work, and he might have come second last year, or he might have fallen over the year before, or whatever, and he's overcome adversity, you can teach life lessons. There's no life lessons to be taught in giving everyone a medal. But I understand why they do it, and for a great. Number of years, I was a believer in that kind of attitude as well. But now I've been doing it for so long and seeing the shift in behaviours with children that just cannot handle the why they haven't won and not been given something and someone else might have been. I've sort of changed my mind on it, Geoffrey. Not too big to say I've changed my mind on that. I I don't disagree with non-competitive football for certain age groups. And when they go to six-a-side tournaments, so I quite like seeing the under-sixes, sevens, eights or whatever getting a little participation medal. But you've got to be very careful because if a child has gone to a tournament and done absolutely nothing and he's twiddled around and played with grass and hardly kicked a ball and all that kind of stuff and he's gone home with a medal and everyone's going, well done, your first football medal.
1: Yeah,
0: You're sowing the seeds that, oh, this is easy. I don't yeah. need to work. I've got the same medal as so-and-so
1: and he's really good. And it's like parenting, isn't it? If you short term try and avoid a few tears, but you don't teach them that you're going to go and sit on the naughty step, or yep. I mean? that's kind of reverse way round because that's a punishment. But there's there's definitely something in praising someone for not doing anything that is is causing is it is just as
0: harmful as having the complete opposite end of the spectrum where you're only ever celebrating the ones who are survival of the fittest and the biggest and strongest. There might be reasons why they're winning. Yeah. because they've mature quicker and st- you know there's loads and loads of variables to it but to then put a blanket over it and say well what we'll do is there'll be no winners and losers and everyone will go home as winners and all that i don't think you're giving children or giving the opportunity to give children valuable life lessons i don't get too deep but it's, it's a tough old life out there and there's going to be a generation of kids coming through that think that all they need to do is turn on the tears or the bottom lip go down or lie on the floor pretending to be injured, which is another thing, and someone will come and pick you up and make it better and help you on your way. And I think it is a problem. We got very deep there, didn't we? We did, yeah. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to know what people think of that when this goes out. Maybe send us a comment or let us know what you think because it's a very, very important
1: subject and it does get people talking. It's, It's not the only change I've seen in coaching. A lot of coaching now seems to be geared towards a constraints-led environment, so... Conditions, yeah. Conditions and things like that, so first-time finish and things that we really like doing, but maybe dismissing some of the, the things that we think really, really do make a massive difference, which is our ball each individual. I think yeah. there's a confusion between drills and what we do, so we don't do straight-line drills where you pass to A and then move to B and then and then finish at C. We Everything's yeah. randomised in our coaching, yeah. but when we've got a ball each and it's individual, I think... People have confusing that with drills, which are the pass from A to B and move to C, yeah.
0: which always break down somewhere along, and you have to start <clears throat> yes. it again. And yeah. kids are only getting a certain amount of touches, and they spend most of the time in a queue, getting that, bored.
1: We'd argue that as well until we're blue in the face. We're yeah, completely there's no that. real place
0: for those until everyone's really comfortable, so the drill doesn't fall down.
1: Yeah, it's gone so far the other way it seems for the constraints-based coaching that a lot of people will never see the value in what we're doing with the ball each.
0: You know, again it's they're looking for a magic wand.
1: Yeah. So I think, right, we'll get rid of
0: those and we'll bring in this constraints led training. And I agree that if you're gonna just do drill you're better off just doing let the game be the teacher type. Because yeah. that's how it all started, wasn't it? This yeah. scheme let the game be the teacher. I've gone on record to say that, that there's a lot of teams would be better out there if their coaches had never done any drills and just let them play yep. every week and learn from their own mistakes. So I think they've got that idea and then put conditions on these games. So everything's game related. Absolutely brilliant. I love it. But as we said many times, you cannot dismiss other types of training as well. Can't say that that's one shot fits all or whatever the expression is. I'm very aware that I mix up my (laughs) expressions a lot. (laughs) <laughs> but you know it's not it's not a, a magic formula but it's good and it's an improvement and educating people that you don't need A passes to B and run down the back to C and all that kind of stuff those days should be gone and it should be a massive thing but it's not the only thing you don't dismiss and think right we've nailed it we've nailed football now yeah. Tick in a box let's move on to something else because it's not going to work because there'll be people in there that need pushing on and yeah. different challenges like with everything you have to have a balance what was the question <laughs>
1: What was the biggest change? Biggest changes.
0: Oh, we should also say, having run a team for a long time, there's been some massive changes with like the whole game system and um, safeguarding child protection all of those things massively improved you know and technology there to help with things like the whole game system for those of you don't know it's all your players have to be registered with the fa on something called the whole game system and it's all about child protection and things like that and absolutely brilliant the online courses from the fa all that has improved so much from 10 years ago and i think quite a few dads now who go oh i'll run the team for a bit and then they're asked to do safeguarding and a crb check first aid and get a level one coaching certificate i think oh my god we didn't have to do this in my day yeah and insurances and not allowed to just tip up and train on an old bit of grass anymore and all that and it's Improved massively and quite rightly so. So that side of it's
1: outstanding, I think. And as for the actual courses, they seem to be rather than setting out your cones in this size area and doing this yeah. and it being very prescriptive, seems to be more about the individual coach's journey with his individual group of players, which is miles better than it used to be when I started.
0: I've already alluded to it, I did my UEFA B level three, whatever you want to call it, seems like moons ago, and I just sat there thinking how is this going to help me in my dream of coaching kids? Yeah. It was drills and it was teams and it was set up for adults to win games of football. No individual self-improvement whatsoever. And, you know, they'd say things like, right, you've got 12 players in your session and you want to set up like this and, and I thought well what if you've got 13 tip up yeah. and what if it's raining and you know like real problems that you, your coaches have to deal with because they saying, right the 12 do it there and the rest of you have to sit over there and watch and you're like well if this was a real session they'd have to be doing something it might be cold and you've only got nine of those left so what are they doing now well they're doing that and no one actually taught yeah. you the real life things that come with being a coach and that's when I looked for something different I thought, I'm on the wrong path here. So that was in, I think it was 2000, 2001. So it's changed massively since then. They've got the, um, what's the age-appropriate courses. I think the
1: age-appropriate's now merged back into the Uh, regular FA coaching courses, which is, I think, great.
0: Possibly because not enough people were doing it and they were that valuable. They thought, we've got to take this and integrate it into the pathway, the most popular pathway, so that everyone's getting some of it because... That's what you need. You need your sessions to be, this is what you can do to improve, but it has to be appropriate to the age group and the level you've got. It's not rocket
1: science. So, I've got to say, the Futsal UA for B that I went on last year was by far and away the best course I've been on up to this date, and the, the ones that my favourites were for that were the Youth Appropriate, especially the Module 1 and 2. I absolutely love those.
0: Good and you bring all the best bits back into our soccer school, and we implement them.
1: Well done you, martyr. (laughs) Right, shall we move on with that question? Great question though, by the way. Question number 21. Yeah, do you want to go for it, mate? I'm really keen to get my reception year child involved with your sessions, but I've heard that there's a waiting list. Is this true, and how long does it usually take to get a place?
0: Yes, it is true in our Andover group, which is our kickstart group for our... Hampshire player development centre which we run out of andover school year reception in year one school year reception year one so we call that a kickstart group paul matthews who also works with us at southampton football club he's the head coach there better known as football paul there'll be people going ah football paul now Oh, football pool. Oh, football pool, yes. Um, He runs a session and it's so popular. I think we're probably into double figures on the waiting list, which isn't ideal. So yes, there is a waiting list. We have one in Salisbury slightly late in the afternoon where there is still some places left. And of course, this will all be irrelevant if you're listening to this one or two years down the line. But right now in 2019, yes, there is a waiting list and we are looking at ways that we can um, free up some space so that we can get as many children involved as possible. And it's it's great credit to Paul and what he's done there. I mean, 32s maximum in the sports hall, which he has. They will be moving outside for the summer period come May, so there'll be a lot more space and we can get coaches. The problem with that is, because we're Pezzers and we want to do everything as best as we can, we actually hire the sports hall to sit there empty while we're on the grass in case the weather's bad so that children can always play. So if the weather's bad for two or three weeks... You're then going to have too many for the sports hall if we allow too many outside. But we are actively trying to, to free up some space and maybe shuffle some players up an age group and, and that kind of thing. Because it's popular and it's really, really good, and we need as many children to get involved as possible to get on their journey. Anything else you'd like to add? It's not really your age group is it, Bud? No. Although
1: it is at Southampton Football Club, it is our age group. Your yes. school years 1, 2 and 3. Some of the other sessions are getting close to needing a waiting list, aren't they? We're getting close yeah. to that 32, but we can always look at it and find a way, can't we?
0: Yeah, well the, the other problem is we can't split Paul. No. So in an ideal world you do another session somewhere else and split it, but Paul's so valuable to that age group and he's so good having done the Saints Tots program at Southampton Football Club for however many years, can't split him in two, which yeah. is why actually he does the salisbury session afterwards on a saturday and it's a bit more of an awkward time which is why there's not a waiting list for that one but if anyone is on the waiting list you can go to salisbury session if you like in the meantime until we go outdoors so that's something for us to sort out anyway so yes there is a waiting list at the moment but we will sort it out because every child should be allowed to come to pezzers Yep, there's always holiday courses and things as well aren't there so try and get involved somehow
1: cool question number 22 Question
0: number 22. I'm going to ask you this one, Jeff. I think you're going to pass it straight back to me, aren't you? Question number 22. My child attends your Hampshire Player Development Centre. Some sessions weren't on over Christmas and I was wondering why the monthly price was still the same. Business question. Yeah, so I'm going to pass it straight back to you. Yes, I thought (laughs) you were head coach and yes, I have to deal with the business side of things. The reason being is the fee is a membership fee and it's split into 12 months so this session is actually 30 pound a month so it's 360 pounds a year um so it's 360 pounds for a membership but it's split into 12 months months of 30 pounds to make it manageable of which can be stopped at any time so if tiny tim i should hope not because i don't know who we're going to call tiny tim if tiny tim was to go but if he decides he doesn't like it anymore wants a break obviously you can stop those at any time but it is based on 48 sessions a year so it's five pounds an hour hour over 48 sessions a year which we put on yeah we have two off at Christmas one off at Easter Saturday and that actually leaves us an emergency which we have used I think the last two years for the snow so it works so if you came to every single session 48 you would have five pounds an hour yeah. which is absolute bargain for what we do and the level of coaching they're getting and because we can budget that for the year we know exactly how many coaches we're going to get so we get the right player to coach ratio you're a member so we can look after our members really well by discounts on holiday courses giving them first options on things competitions we can really look after our members so it works absolutely beautiful so the two off at Christmas that this question actually refers to are already part of the of the fee for the for the year obviously if you're away on holiday and you miss a few it might be nearer to £5.50 an hour £6 an hour and if you dip in and out a bit but you're still a member it could be to £7 an hour, which is still a lot cheaper than other organisations that claim to be kind of like what we are, or yeah. even your swimming lessons or whatever else, ballet, dance, it's an absolute bargain. And you're not just paying for the hour and a half or the two hour session that you're there, you're paying for the 20 odd years experience and all the courses that you've put yourself on and your own money, you're you're paying for that as part of your, your fee. It's yeah. not an hour and a half session in the two hour session, it's all those years of experience the syllabus that
1: took years to write you know it's it's an absolute bargain and there's children on the waiting list in some of the sessions that are desperate to have your place uh, yes we need to know or we'll be aware if someone's in or not don't we yeah, and I have got some lovely membership cards
0: made up, so everyone's actually going to get a membership card now to feel more like a member. It's Brilliant. got our mission statement on the back. We've got a season ticket idea. We've got all sorts of things going on to really look after our members and make it like a, a Pezzas family, and somewhere that you get looked after and you you wouldn't want to leave anyway. is quite a long-winded answer to your question, but I hope that <laughs> that makes sense. I saw a quote the other day where... Some, I think it was a builder, someone had not been happy that they'd been charged I know, £75 an hour for 10 minutes work. Yeah. And he said, well, I've, I've studied for 20, 30 years so that I can do that job in 10 minutes. Yeah. And you're paying for all those years of work so that I could only do it in 10 minutes. You're not paying for the 10 minutes. But I thought, well, it's exactly the same thing at Pezz's. It's not just we got a level one and started something in, on a bit of grass somewhere. You know, We hire massive big facilities. We have sports halls that are empty in case it rains so that we've got an option to take more in so the fun never stops. We're constantly updating the syllabus and what we do from research and from our roles at Southampton Football Club. I've got CPD, Continual Personal Development course there, coming up next week, and I'll take bits out of that and implement
1: them in our soccer school. Got our own pairs of CPD on this Sunday. Sunday
0: we've got our first CPD again, so that money's come from the memberships. So then hire a hall for all us coaches to to get on, for us to learn together and for us to teach the rest of the coaches. And so it goes on. So it, it works perfectly. Cool. Question number 23. Yes, I think we did
1: that one justice. I'm a level two coach. I've watched your training and I've noticed there are very few coaching interventions. Nobody's telling the kids where they should stand and what position they are playing. Is there a reason for this? Wow. Yes. And we probably, if you were to listen to the other three parts, answered
0: all of this, but maybe in different bits. We've actually talked about it in this episode. Yeah. In terms of X plays it to Y to Join the bat, all those types of drills.
1: We don't believe in them. We're in individual soccer schools, first and foremost. So we look after the individual, not a team.
0: And we maximise the time that we have to make your child the best they can be. And if you analyse a session, and I've analysed sessions, I've been to team training and seen for the first 10 minutes they don't get the balls out because they're doing fitness and then they get into a drill and the child touches it once because he passes and then he has to join the back of a queue and then he might get it back to set someone for a shot and then he shuffles and you actually count up how many touches they've had. They've had less than 50 in a session and they've been stood in a queue for most of it or sat down listening to a coach. We don't believe in that. We believe in maximising the time. So it's a ball each. The syllabus is designed to get as many purposeful touches as possible and then to progress the syllabus into game-related scenarios and situations. That's it in a very nutshell, isn't it? It's all about maximising your time and we don't get that with yours. but that generation, dare I say it, my generation when their children come are expecting to see that Cues, you play it to him, he sets it for him he shoots, joins the back of the queue all that kind of thing and in matches, stop, stand still Right You should be giving us width out there. You should be showing for the ball here. And they're just not getting touches of the ball. There's no point in knowing where to stand on a football pitch if you're no good at football. (laughs) Right? Let's have it right, Jeff. Let's say it how we feel. There's no point in knowing how to call for the ball and knowing you should take it on the back foot and open it out and give the team width if the person with the ball hasn't got the ability to pass it to you and you haven't got the ability to receive it or the confidence. So we give children the ability to be able to do that later which is why our academy, going back to the other question, stops at 11, um, under 11s, and then they can go to the futsal club. where well, we do a bit more of that because we know that we've got a player that we can work with. But everyone wants to skip that. We talked about another question. They want to get to the tip of the iceberg and say, we well, want to play like Barcelona. So we're going to just do one and two touch football and we'll teach them how to take it on the back foot and we'll teach them time and space, to see how we go. So right, OK, well, you're going to get to a certain level and it's all going to break down because they're not good enough at football. And we have talked about this
1: many times. Yeah. And where, wherever those expectations come from probably aren't a very reliable source, if I'm being honest, yeah. are they? Like, yeah. Just because you've seen the pundits on the telly talking through what, what's really impressed them about Liverpool or Barcelona that weekend yeah. doesn't mean that an under-9 should be recreating that session that they've just done on a tactics board. You can't skip that bottom bit of the iceberg that's not seen yeah. to get
0: to there. No. You know We all want teams to play like Barcelona. And I'll tell you what, even teams that are in the Premier League want to play like bars, and they can't because the players aren't good enough, Jeff. Yeah. And there's a reason, you know, people lord Virgil van Dijk, because he can come out with a ball and he looks like he's got all the time in the world. He wasn't born like that. No. There's a reason he costs so much money, because he's so good and there aren't that many good players out there. Do you know what I mean? It's not rocket science. You have to get good to play that way, and... What was the question? Oh, goodness gracious. Oh, yeah, doing drills, wasn't it? I think it comes from frustration. Parents watch their kids in a match, and they see their child chasing around after the ball and it all being a little bit clumped together and stuff, and they want you to stop the game and go, you're out there, you're out there, or give them zones, and they're not allowed out of the zones. Well, I'm afraid football's not played in zones like that, and you could... that's the easy bit of football. Easy bit. Any coach can do that side of it, but not everyone can teach children to be good at football. And that's what we try to do at Pezzas. So that's why we don't waste time doing drills and positional stuff. We've talked about it before with what we do is we try and encourage as many mistakes as possible don't we so the yeah. children can learn from those mistakes and admittedly if children are all running around after the ball still after about six months then it isn't working and we would look to guiding them to of a sort of positional sense wouldn't we
1: yeah but it's, it's, this also looks like it's coming from a parent that's comparing their child to another child yeah it, like so maybe they are chasing the ball around and someone else is hanging out on the wing and finding themselves in loads of space but they don't compare your child to somebody else it's just ridiculous. And I've also had other parents actually tell me, can you do a one-to-one session on going to the ball? I mm. want to see my son go to the ball more. I remember that. No, <laughs> I'm not going to do a one-to-one session on going to the ball more because that's them comparing their child to another child who must get on the ball a lot more than their child in games and then yeah. it's having an impact and influence on a game and more likely to get seen or scouted or spotted or whatever they're yeah. looking for.
0: So, One of the biggest mistakes you can make as a parent with a child and probably could say in sport in general but certainly in football is to compare him to other children Yeah. and I've seen it so many times where a child's doing very very well but he's not so just good at what that kid does and that kid might have been spotted or getting praised so then they'll
1: say oh can you work on his heading can yeah. you...
0: and they want all the best bits from everyone well,
1: well, not even Premier League players so my answer to this question number 23 is please don't come to our sessions and compare your child to another child just turn up and compare themselves to themselves yeah last week and a month ago and and see how fast they're progressing from where they were at not where everyone else is at
0: well you know our job's dead simple there's a lot more to it but yeah again it's a simple structure if they have to be safe they have to have fun and they have to leave through the doors unless we're outdoors but (laughs) in general (laughs) through the doors better players and people than when they came in yeah that's our simple mission we've got a nice fancier long-winded version of it safe have fun And leave at the end a better footballer and a better person. We've done our job. So don't go comparing them to other children. It's It never ends then. Yeah. never ends. They've got their own style and their own things that they're more likely to to excel in than anyone else. You'll just end up chasing something that's not there if you keep doing that.
1: Or they're comparing our coaching to other coaching. And again, I would say, please don't compare our coaching to other coaching. No. Because... We're totally different.
0: And nine times out of ten, the coaching you're comparing us to is the same thing. Yeah. That's been done year after year after year after year. And if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. And no offence to my area, yeah. but it hasn't really ripped up any trees of producing any players of any merit that have gone on to play top level football. There's been a couple I know that have gone on and had careers in the game. One I went to school with, Ali Gibb, and there's been a few others. But I can't remember any noteworthy Premier League players coming out from our area. And I know it's very difficult. Certainly haven't had any internationals. Nigel Spackman was 40 years ago now or something that came from Handover. But other than that... So if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. And just because you're used to it and you did it doesn't mean it's going to work. So open
1: your mind up. It doesn't make it right, that's for sure.
0: No, in our sessions we have what we call random chaos. So you're exposing children to so many variables that they might come across in football that they've got it in their brain, or in their locker if you want to use that term, that they can use what they've learnt at any given moment. And doing straight line drills and keep stopping and starting, and you stand there, you stand there. Saying when the ball's over there you need to be here. Yeah, you need to tuck in and all this kind of stuff to a a seven and eight year old. Absolute nonsense. But what happens is, Jeffries some team will get hold of a group of eight, nine-year-olds and they will drill them to get a bit of success early on. And that team will go and beat your team that you're not doing that with. And then that's when the chaos breaks out because it's like,
1: they're doing it right and you're doing it wrong. Especially if it's a... A 1-0 for 6 six-a-side tournament yeah. win over five five to ten Where minutes. did them
0: skills get you there? Yeah, We won 1-0 by getting the ball in the box and, and getting a tap in. You, do you know what I mean? It's... Yeah, but you haven't got a player that can light up a game. Exactly. Moments of magic we yeah. teach, Jeffrey. And if you watch a group of our players playing and against a team that's been drilled like that from an early age, put the result aside.
1: I know who I'd rather have, yeah. Easy. The
0: moments of magic are going to come from the ones that have come from Pezzas which can be dismissed by parents because, well, we won. So, OK, well, let's see where they are in 10 years and where they are. What's your end game? So I think I said it on the last part, using a metaphor of life. OK, so you're like like being 2 nil up at half-time. There's no point being 2-0 up at half-time if you lose the game. So what's your end game? Right. Question number 24. I think we're going to have to because we're getting way too involved in that one, Geoffrey. Hopefully this will be an easy one.
1: My lad trains with you twice a week and uses his soul a lot more to move (laughs) the ball. His club coach has picked up on it and has a go at him for doing it. He uses it really well and it really defines his style of play. But I'm really confused now and so is my lad. Can you help?
0: Right. Well, I've just... Which is no good for the podcast, but I've just ringed a bit of his question there. He's put... He uses it really well and it really defines his style of play. Great. You've answered your own question. Yeah. So who cares what anyone else thinks or says? And if someone's actually stopping a child doing something really well that defines their style of play, move club, it's simple as that because that person has another agenda and it's not about your child because that using his soul might be embarrassing for that manager or it might. he might think it's risking going under his foot and losing him a game of football. It's all about your managers or the parents or whoever's moaning about it, get them out of that club because it's not about your child and football should be about every child.
1: It doesn't have to be about the sole of a foot here, does it? It not can be anything. You're putting a limitation on somebody's, or you're putting a ceiling on what they might be able to do in the future. Could be it. the best sole roller yeah. ever in the world. If you watched Iniesta play and receive pass, he could receive it on the outside of his foot, he would receive it on the sole of his foot, on the inside of his foot. And the great thing about receiving it at the sole of your foot is you can feel where the ball is. So you can get your head up and see where your teammates are.
0: Cristiano Ronaldo always shifts the ball from one foot to the other and back again with his soles. The original Ronaldo used to suck the goalkeeper in there and do a rollover to go around. You cannot it's, it's tell the... a child not to do something. You have to let him make mistakes, I'm afraid, and that might cost you. It yeah. might cost you a goal or an opportunity or... A tin pot. A tin pot yeah. or something. And then that's about your manager and his ego yeah. and his vision and his child that plays alongside him who can't do so rolls and him not getting a tin pot. And, as you put, he uses it really well and it really defines his style of play. I'm sorry if he was in school and... He was doing a subject really, really well. The teacher wouldn't say, stop doing that. They would go, well, I'll tell you what, he might not be very good at maths, but his English is absolutely brilliant. He does it really, really well and it defines him. He's going to have a career out of that one day and then the emphasis would shift on to doing more English stuff. Not less of it. It's, it's black and white. But I know I get too involved, Jeff, and so get him out, but speak to him first, yeah. explain the problem and ask and say, why are you stopping amusing your soul? And even say, you've listened to this podcast if you like and, yeah. and blame me because i get blamed for loads of stuff and i couldn't care less so and they say this uh, has
1: come up before hasn't yeah, it this isn't us saying you should use the sole of your foot every time to no. receive the ball it's definitely not that, that would be wrong too yeah but and that will be what's thrown at us next isn't it yeah but it's it's definitely not that it's it's just again going back to having all those different skills in your locker and different answers to different situations you might be putting in a, in football so you might be playing on a really nice pitch and you can receive with a soul and that little soul shift could be the difference and creating a goal it might be you're playing on a really boggy pitch and you make that mistake but you learn okay well in that situation that scenario i'm going to receive it at the inside of my foot and i'm going to tell my body Absolutely, this
0: way there's no rights why would you limit anything no. jeffrey
1: and coutinho he used to love receiving the ball with his sole of his foot
0: and pushing it out he got it from foot cell training pushing it out and then bending the ball in the top corner or at least trying to yeah so he would receive it push it out in the same movement and then whip it but imagine if someone said to him can't use that, yeah, mate,
1: when, when he was he, a kid. When that... he was playing futsal until he was 16. <laughs>
0: you know, he wouldn't be the player he was.
1: It's it's
0: incredible. I've played with players who have big, strong target men up front who like the ball into feet and will back into people using their body and their arms and will take the ball with the sole of their foot to hold up play yeah. to then put other players in. You know, you can't dismiss it enough. We've had this question recently because we went on to the toe punts. I remember the toe punts. We yeah. won't do the toe punts again. But... Stop telling children what they can and can't do. Work out why they're doing it and help them. Guide them as where and when to do it. But don't ever tell them you can't do that.
1: Or put your ceilings on them, because... You don't know how far yeah. they can go in life.
0: Probably. Your manager's never controlled a ball with the sole of his foot in his life. So he doesn't understand it. He doesn't get it. And he has a vision of how he wants his team to play, like Barcelona. Get it, give it, move. Get it, give it, move. And you're throwing a bit of a spanner in his work by manipulating the ball with the sole of his foot or holding on to it a bit too long or whatever is blueprint for whatever. Or her. could be a female manager. But I think I know where this question came from. So um, we'll leave it there because <laughs> I don't want to uh, get myself into trouble. But anything that puts a ceiling on a talent well it's not even a talent is it we're sealing on having fun just putting a cap on it why would you no idea why would you should we leave this episode here yes yeah I think so we've got lots of places to be today we're very busy people aren't we yep cool well thanks for listening that has been the inner huddle Pezza's coaching special part four
1: the inner huddle from Pezza Street Soccer